My name is Bernard Guerra, and I'm your host of the Apartment Investor Series podcast, where I provide an in-the-trenches look at the multifamily real estate market. I have been fortunate for nearly 25 years as a broker to learn from and witness what super successful apartment investors have been doing with their investment properties. This podcast highlights how the experts are maximizing their multifamily investing. Let's get started. Okay, welcome. We're here again with Ava Schmola. How are you, Ava? Great. How are you? Really good, thank you. We're uh, today. We're going to do something new uh, for our viewers. Uh, I've got, as always, I go through all of the. Um, you know, I get subscribed to a various publications about the apartment market locally and that nationwide, and going over to seeing a bunch of headlines the last few weeks that have been very that popped out at me. Mm-hmm. Been very interesting. I think um, to me, you know, they're interesting because they can be an indicator of what's happening in the market. Um, what's going on nationwide sometimes illuminates what's happening here and what's happening here sometimes illuminates what's going on nationwide. It's just a good way to learn about the market. So AFA, um, I picked out six or seven uh, headlines from articles. Okay. Yeah. Um, you've got them there. If you could, yeah. uh, we'll start when just you read the, how about you read the, the title Okay. And the source, yeah, and then I'll just do a quick summary of a takeaway or two that really jumped out at me um, with the apartment market that may be interesting to our listeners. Okay, great. Well, let's start with the Rental Housing Journal, and uh, headline is six takeaways from the National Multifamily Housing Conference. Okay, all right. Well, they've got six takeaways, um, and. Real quick, I just one of them was that the quarter four the market cooled, uh, which makes perfect sense. What we talked about in the past episodes in two thousand twenty two. In two thousand twenty two, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, their other takeaway was in January that the apartment market is off to a strong start in two thousand twenty three, thanks to pent up demand to move, and a ridiculously high premium to purchase a home. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Again, we've talked about how the residential market and the apartment market are not the same. They're related. Yeah. And sometimes they mirror each other and sometimes they don't. Almost like they're cousins, like there's a link. Um, so it sounds like, you know, the housing prices have been through the roof. So it makes sense and how that would affect the apartment market because there are more people renting than buying. Yes. Uh, so that's been happening. Um, and it sounds like their takeaway three was there's an oversupply warning saying that there's over a million apartments units in the pipeline to be built, uh-huh. which this also happened in the last time we were in a scenario like this, 2010 or so, where there wasn't any building for three, four years. Yeah. So it sounds like that cycle is uh, continuing. So we've seen that in the past. Um, it says... Plunging values ahead. Cap rates have risen, but experts say not enough. Expect cap rates to rise and values to decline. Now, we've talked about that, how that hasn't really happened yet, and that also mirrors what we've seen. I think this national article really is talking about the 100-plus units with cap rates rising. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll rise and above 50, but it sounds like above 100 for sure. 
Um, and number six, takeaway controlling expenses. Most apartment developers are focused on improving efficiencies to combat increases in expenses. That just makes too much sense when you have inflation. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, no surprises here from the conference, and um, but also just more confirmation of what we've been seeing. Okay. All right, then. I think the next one is also from the Rental Housing Journal. And uh, headline is Seattle City Council caps late rent fee payment at $10. Okay, this may seem like a, not a big deal at all. It may seem minor. Um you know, what it says to me, basically the details are not really relevant here for our conversation today, but they just made the, the capital late rent fee at $10. Um, I don't know. I, I just see this as, again, Washington having more legislation on rent control, another form of rent control. Um, making the rent late fee uh, has typically been higher than the $10. You know, typically it's been, you know, a lot more to make it punitive for mm-hmm. renters to not pay rent. So what this means to me, if you really play this out, uh, there's really not a whole lot of incentive for renters to pay on time. Yeah. And if they don't pay on time, um, and it's tougher to evict people for non-payment, now all of a sudden you're in a spot where it's just creating an atmosphere where tenants owe a lot of money and the management and landlords are unable to do a, a no cause eviction very easily. So this just is another, um, another brick in the wall for really strong rent control mm-hmm. and an imbalance of, um, you know, uh, imbalance of like payments. If a tenant doesn't pay, um, can, does a landlord have a right to evict them? So I think that's a interesting, you know, we've always talked about Oregon having rent control. Yeah. Um, and people moving to like out of Portland to go to Vancouver, for example, for their investments. Well, Washington has some similar rent control, and this is one of those elements to, to keep an eye on. Okay. And I like this one quote um, about uh, one quote from the article that talked about a person who was arguing about the $10 fee. And they said that the Ali argued that a $10 fee is not enough to incentivize tenants to pay on time, creating more hassle for local landlords. Yeah. Seems obvious. Yeah. Seems, seems obvious. So, um, uh, very, I mean, I understand how they don't have exorbitant late fees because all of a sudden you have so many late fees. I, I get that. But at the same time, if, um, again, it's just another legislation piece that, makes it difficult for um, owners to collect rent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Next one. Okay. This uh, is a post from apartmentlist.com and uh, Portland rent report, May, 2023. Yeah. I I always like seeing how the rents stack up in Portland Um, and overall the median rents in this article for a two bedroom is, um, Median rent is $1,380. Uh, sorry, that one bedrooms are $1,242 and two bedrooms are $1,450 for a median of $1,380. Roughly the same as last month, but the rents remain up about a percent year over year. So they've gone a little bit up from last year, but this, they've been really plateauing the first quarter is what they're saying. 
Um, so flat. So the subtitles: Portland rents are flat month over month and up one percent over the year. So they've been really flat for since uh, December of 2022. Interesting. Yeah. So it, it's kind of you know they had a huge spike in August, and then they're they started decreasing for a lot. Now they've been flat. Okay. You know, all this talk with rent control from the politicians, you know, it's really amazing how rents just kind of, the market just kind of goes in cycles and takes care of itself. Yeah. Um, and the rent growth is, the other subtitle says Portland rent growth in 2023 pacing below last year. So, you know, rents aren't skyrocketing. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, there's not an article about expenses, but expenses are skyrocketing. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's an interesting confluence of events when you've got rent control, but rents are staying flat and expenses are really jumping up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next right. one. Uh, another uh, post from apartmentlist.com. <clears throat> Apartmentlist 2023 Millennial Home Ownership Report. Okay. So this was interesting to me. Um the first line, according to the latest data from the Census Bureau, millennials have finally reached a significant milestone. More than half own their own homes. So it, it also continues for a generation whose identity has been shaped by a tumultuous relationship with the housing market. Home ownership has been a lofty goal, growing exceedingly expensive and competitive compared to when their parents were coming of age. But today, the median millennial is a homeowner with a latest millennial home ownership rate standing at 51.5%. Okay. Um, so what does this mean? I don't know. But um, despite the growing prices for houses, millennials are buying houses. Um, and, you know, uh, it just, to me, it's just... A housing demand is just so high in general uh, with growing population. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, millennials are buying houses, you know, everybody's buying houses, but then there's such a huge demand for, for space to, to rent. Um, And I, frankly, I think that's just goes to show the strength of the apartment market and why investors have typically come here to the apartment market. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, you know, this one, not a whole lot of earth shattering stuff, but just thought it was interesting now that, you know, the baby boomers and generation X have all have high rate of, of home ownership. And we know that millennials have had less because they've been younger and maybe, maybe valuing being transitory more and moving around for right, jobs. The flexibility. Yeah. The flexibility. And that's, and that's really gone up now more. So I don't know if that's a return to, like what prior generations have done or what, but it, it just seemed kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So we'll do the next one. All right. Um, a, a post from Lean Associates, Commercial Real Estate Services, 2023 Q1 North America Market Report. Yeah, it talks, you know, they talked about jobs and offices and industrial and retail. Um, the multifamily headline was rent growth continues to slow. And that seems to be what we just read in earlier articles where yeah. the rent growth is slowing. Um, we're not seeing a huge price increase, um, you know, nationwide. It said rent for an average apartment totaled 1633 per unit nationwide. Um, so 
you know, there's really, and also they talked about the vacancy rates went up a little bit to 6.6% nationally, up 170 basis points. So, you know, a year ago, it was vacancy rates were about five. Now they're at 6.6. So the, when that happens, the rent increases slow down, which yeah. is what seems to be happening. Yeah. Um, so again, just confirmation nationally of what's happening locally. Okay, we'll go to the next one. Okay, from BizNow, um, an article, U.S. apartment vacancy hits two-year high as rents plunge in Sunbelt. Yeah, and the Sunbelt's down south uh, across the country. Uh, again, more this, again, to me, um, it, this really illustrated, uh, confirmed that the uh, vacancies are going up a little bit and rents are responding and going down. So the first line in this article says, as historic levels of apartment units deliver across the country, nationwide vacancy has reached its highest point since 2021 with the market dynamics shifting in favor of tenants. Um, so again, in another, another quote from this article, the balance of power in the rental market is tipping back in tenants' favor as supply catches up with demand. This is easing affordability challenges and giving renters a little wiggle room to negotiate in some areas. Okay. So, yeah, again, more confirmation that this we're in this part of the cycle where rents increases aren't as high. Right. Um, owners are wanting to fill the properties more. And a lot of these articles I, I noticed, too, nationally are all institutional articles. So it's not exactly pertinent to the majority of under 50 unit you know, market we yeah, have, yeah. but it's a, again, related, similar, and, you know, just, it seems like a bit of a trend. Do you think the trend in, in Portland kind of matches the national trend? I feel like sometimes Portland's just a little bit different. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah. Again, in Portland, I think 75% of the transactions or most of the properties mm-hmm. are below 50 units. Yeah and not institutional manage. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these, um, a lot of these statistics come from property managers of large apartment right, units. Yeah. Okay. So we don't have a ton of that in Portland. We've got a ton of like under 50 unit buildings. You just drive down, you know, east side of Portland, you'll, you know, you can hit a rock and hit 10 different 10 unit buildings. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think, um, they're similar, not necessarily the same. Mm-hmm. I think the, the vacancy rate in Portland has been lower, probably like 4%, 3 4% still on these smaller smaller properties. Okay. Okay, we got one more. And um, Okay, this is from the Portland Business Journal. All right, local. Portland population shrinks 2.8% since 2020, U.S. Census says. Well, you know, the headline kind of says it all. Um you know, to, to hear about Portland, you know, 2010, we had what Portlandia and mm-hmm. Grimm and yes. it was the darling of, you know, mid-sized cities across the country Yes, and population jumping. Um, yeah. So it's the, again, the population shrinking is, a, you know, you had COVID of course, where people can work remotely. Yeah. Um, so not a surprise. But it's uh, a trend that I think people are keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah, pretty interesting. What happens if um, we have people move out of the city? What happened? You know, you imagine rents would go lower. 
Right. Um, and again, we talked about the problems that downtowns had and, you know, people feeling safe. Mm-hmm. So this isn't really a surprise. Um, and, you know, how it probably relates, again, I like looking at the national articles and kind of getting a feel overall. But kind of, we talked about Portland being a little different, but, you know, if you've got a shrinking population, it could mean rents going down or staying the same at best or right. slowing down. And, um, you know, something to keep an eye on moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for today on this episode. Thanks for your articles, Ava. Oh, thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. If you like this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast where we release new episodes weekly. If you want more information about the multifamily market, go to my firm's website, josephbernard.net, click on the Contact Us page, and sign up for our apartment e-newsletter. As a bonus for listening to this podcast, I will answer any apartment investing questions you may have via email at bgarrett at josephbernard.net. That is B-G-E-H-R-E-T at josephbernard.net.